food access is a cornerstone of an individual's health as it influences their physical, mental, and emotional well-being. By ensuring that individuals have reliable access to nutritious foods, we contribute not only to their immediate health, but also to their long-term vitality and the overall well-being of our communities at large. Look, when families lack access to nutritious foods, they become food insecure. Unfortunately, food insecurity has been linked to negative health outcomes in children and in adults. This is why the bulk of our work at FCFA is centered around building a healthier, more resilient community where everyone has access to nutrition that they need to thrive. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Howard County or HOCO Health Podcast, where we discuss topics related to all things public health. I am Howard County Health Officer, Dr. Maura Rossman. During today's episode, we will discuss food insecurity in Howard County and some of the programs available in the community to assist families with access to affordable and nutritious food. And this is so topical right now as we're entering into the holiday season. And while we were warming up, we were discussing what might be on our tables this Thanksgiving. And we know, as you will learn, that there are some families in Howard County who are struggling to put a Thanksgiving together on their table. So a little background information. The USDA, or the United States Department of Agriculture, defines food insecurity as a lack of consistent access to enough food for every person to live an active, healthy life. Food insecurity is one way we measure how many people can't afford food. The first thing you might be thinking is, this is Howard County. Do we really have families that struggle to pay for food here? Unfortunately, the answer is yes. In 2021, the Howard County Health Assessment Survey reported that nearly one in six county residents reported concerns about running out of food before they could afford to purchase more. Additionally, nearly one in four county residents, that's 25%, reported some concern about having enough money to pay vital expenses like rent, mortgage, or food. There's actually an acronym for this called ALICE, or Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. Food insecurity is a problem here, just like in jurisdictions around the state and the country. But there is good news. There is important work being performed here at the health department through our Local Health Improvement Coalition, or LHIC, and with community partners to help address these concerns. Our LHIC is a coalition of individuals and organizations that seek to improve access to programs and services that support a vision of equitable health outcomes for all. Healthy eating and food security are areas of focus within the healthy living priority area. Beginning in 2022, the LHIC received funding from the Maryland Department of Health Center for Chronic Disease Prevention and Control to support the establishment of a food security committee and to implement the activities it has identified to address food security. As we will hear from our first guest momentarily, this committee has already gotten to work 
identifying gaps in the community and developing a work plan to create measurable solutions to these problems. On that note, I would like to introduce our first guest, Ms. Rena Rambarat. Rena is the director of the Howard County LHIC and has assisted with overseeing the development of the Food Security Committee and with ensuring it has the resources to fulfill its mission. Welcome, Rena. Thank you, Dr. Rossman. All right, let's get to it, Rena. What has LHIC done to address food insecurity in the short term? Our Local Health Improvement Coalition, or, or ALHIC, has formed the Food Security Committee. And some of the committee's efforts included collaborating with partners, such as the Community Action Council of Howard County, to host a free pop-up food market for residents of Owen Brown Place in April, and Mobile Pantry at Deep Run Elementary School, on three Fridays in August when the summer meal program ended to ensure families had access to food before school started. The committee also collaborated with the University of Maryland Extension and partners to set up container gardens at Owen Brown Place in May so that senior residents can grow vegetables and herbs to supplement their meals. We also collaborated with the Community Ecology Institute to set up community gardens at Bryant Woods and Talbot Springs Elementary School to engage students and families in the gardening process to increase exposure to fruits and vegetables at a young age to develop healthy eating habits. You guys have been busy and love trying to get the young people involved in food and sustainable practices. From a practical matter, a community member wants to know what resources are available if they need some food assistance, like right now. Absolutely. The Howard County LHIC created the um, Howard County Food Connection Map, which is an interactive tool to help residents find low-cost, accessible food and nutrition resources in the county. Residents can find information such as food retailers, food assistance programs, women, infant, and children, or WIC vendors, as well as how the places can be accessed by public transportation. The food connection map is interactive and it can be accessed by mobile devices. On the same webpage as the food connection map, there is a link to the LHIC Healthy Eaton webpage where you can find digital accessible and translated food pantry and hot meals brochures. You can also request printed copies. These brochures are available in five languages, English, Spanish, Korean, Chinese, and French. The website for the Food Connection Map is www.hclhic.org slash foodmap. Thank you, Rena. And we'll be reminding our audience of the LHIC website throughout the podcast because there are a number of great resources. Rena, can you describe the role of LHIC in bringing together community resources into one convenient place to benefit our residents? 
we have heard from feedback from our residents through surveys, we have learned that many residents are not aware of places to access free or low-cost food and nutrition resources. Howard County has many resources, and what LHIC seeks to do is to increase awareness of and access to these vital food and nutrition resources so that residents are easily able to access the information in their preferred language. Our team has created a short pantry spotlight videos highlighting the work of various food pantries with the aim of decreasing stigma around access and food. We are fortunate to have the founder and executive director of one of the food pantries spotlighted with us today on the podcast. That's really awesome. Before we talk a little bit more about food insecurity and why it's important, some of the root causes of food insecurity. The Food Security Committee designed and administered a survey to assess the food insecurity rates and needs among our under-resourced populations in Howard County. And some of the key findings from the survey include that Blacks are more food insecure and bilingual homes, irrespective of race and ethnicity, are more food insecure relative to English-only speaking homes, making language and literacy major barriers to food insecurity. Most of our respondents indicated that cost was the greatest barrier. Food comes after covering housing, utilities, childcare, and most of the respondents are not aware of places to get free or low cost food. So in September, our LHIC hosted two roundtable sessions with partners to develop short and long-term collaborative solutions to look at and address these root causes of food insecurity. The report from the roundtable sessions will be released soon, and our LHIC will continue to collaborate with partners to address both the short-term as well as long-term policy-related upstream solutions to address the root cause of food and nutrition insecurity in our county. Makes sense, right? If you have to pay your mortgage to keep the roof over your head, then maybe you can't afford as much food to eat and put it on the table. So why is eating healthy and food security so important that the LHIC has made this a priority? I would say that according to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the most essential human needs are the ones that keep us alive, like food, water, shelter, and air. Without this basic level of survival, a person can't be expected to do much in the way of higher thinking or achievement. According to Maslow, a person who is lacking food, safety, love, and esteem would most probably hunger for food more strongly than for anything else. There is also strong evidence that food insecurity is associated with obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and cancer. And this is in line with our LHIC's mission to achieve health equity in Howard County and to identify and reduce health disparities. So what our LHIC does is we work with partners to not only focus on addressing food security, but also nutrition security so that we can ensure residents have equitable and stable availability, access, affordability and utilization of foods and beverages that really promote well-being and prevent and treat disease. It's so hard to be your best self, right, when you're hungry or not eating high-quality food. 
So, Rena, if someone is interested in learning more about how they can get involved with the LHIC, either for themselves or on behalf of their business or organization, what can they do? To get involved with LHIC, individuals can visit our website at www.hclhic.org or email us at lhic at howardcountymd.gov or call us at 410-313-6204. Thank you, Rena, for speaking with us. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we will be joined by Dr. Tosin Olateju, the founder and executive director of Food and Care for All. On the latest episode of What's the 211? Children need protection and safety particularly when they're young, because they don't have all the developmental skills to protect themselves. We're not born with spikes or, or hard mm-hmm. armors or any of those things. Right. We like to sometimes think we're super powerful, but really we have very soft skin and our bones can break. And there's all kinds of things where we're physically vulnerable. And so the best power of protection is each other. So when people take care of each other and are protective shields for each other, that's what really helps to buffer the stress of difficult things. Listen to What's the 211 podcast on what's the211.podbean.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. We are Dragon Digital Media Podcast. Hello, we're back. Thank you for taking part of your day to listen to the Hoko Health Podcast. Today, we're talking about what is being done to improve food security in Howard County. Joining us today is a repeat. Dr. Ola Teju from Food and Care for All is joining us. Food and Care for All was founded in 2019, and its mission is to provide free food and quality sexual and reproductive health services to vulnerable populations while empowering them to be self-sustaining. This includes the operation of a food pantry in Ellicott City. Welcome, Dr. Ola Teju, back to HOKO Podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Rossman, for having me. It is such a pleasure being on this podcast today, talking about this critical issue that is not just plaguing our community, but affecting millions of families globally. We so appreciate your comments. And let's start by, can you share a little bit about your organization and how you're trying to help solve this problem? So like you mentioned, FCFA was founded in 2019 with the intention of not just providing food access, but also providing health education, providing families with equitable healthcare services, and also empowering them to be able to be self-sustaining. FCFA is largely run by a team of experienced volunteers, especially public health specialists and medical practitioners. We are based in Ellicott City, like you mentioned, and we serve marginalized populations in Maryland and also in some regions of sub-Saharan Africa. Our services include the provision of nutritious food through three-day-a-week walking client choice food pantry. We also provide chronic disease education and support group services, especially services targeting chronic diseases like diabetes, hypertension, HIV, and in those support groups, families come together in one voice to know that they can be there and seek the help that is needed. 
Another thing we provide is ongoing outreach events to promote health education, food hygiene supplies to the community. We also have a clothing closet. We have diaper bank for families in need. Additionally, we have a wellness clinic that features general health screenings, such as smoking cessation education, access to sexual and reproductive health services, such as rapid testing for HIV and testing for STI. Additionally, with the support from our county health department, we hold an annual vaccination clinic where residents of our county and people from other neighboring communities here in Maryland can come access free vaccinations. And when I mean vaccinations, I mean flu, vaccine, and sometimes COVID vaccinations. Lastly, we provide assistance to families in applying for employment, and some of these families have been able to get job placements. That's really fabulous. Another example of busy people doing fabulous work here in Howard County for our community. So tell us what led you to identify food access as an area to focus on. So as a nonprofit, our decision to focus on food access was driven by a combination of careful analysis of existing data on food insecurity and a commitment to addressing a critical yet complex multifaceted problem, not just affecting residents of our county, like I've mentioned, but individuals and families across the globe. And our resolve to bridge the hunger and food insecurity gaps by helping families, especially minority populations, to access nutritious foods equitably and in a dignified way at no cost. Very important and crucial, right, that people not only are able to get the resources they need, but with dignity, and yeah. as you mentioned. Yeah. What are some of the things you're hearing from the community members who are using your resources and services related to food and health access? I'm so excited that you asked this question because the feedback is very important, especially in the line of work that we do. Currently, we serve nearly 370 families at our facility, many of whom say they come back because they feel a sense of trust. Most of our clients also say that they love the fact that our facility is a holistic space and a one-stop shop where they can access not only food, but educational materials, immunizations, clothes, diapers, and most importantly, feel a sense of belonging during our support groups on chronic disease prevention. You mentioned trust and a sense of belonging, and I think we're all recognizing, particularly in light of the past couple of years, how isolation and mistrust has led to deprivation and other unintended consequences. And certainly, again, around this time of year, I think it is important to reflect and be able to gather with those folks who we trust and have a mutual respect for. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I asked Rena this question too. Why do you think food access is so important to an individual's overall health? Food access is a cornerstone of an individual's health as it influences their physical, mental, and emotional well-being. By ensuring that individuals have reliable access to nutritious foods, we contribute not only to their immediate health, but also to their long-term vitality and the overall well-being of our communities at large. Look, when families lack access to nutritious foods, 
they become food insecure. Unfortunately, food insecurity has been linked to negative health outcomes in children and in adults. This is why the bulk of our work at FCFA is centered around building a healthier, more resilient community where everyone has access to nutrition that they need to thrive. You use the term thrive, right? And our bodies are hosts and our bodies need quality food and sustenance to allow them to grow. Yes. So um, appreciate everything you just said and what you're doing for our community. And as we end the discussion with you, can you share where someone can go to learn more about your organization and the services it offers? Absolutely. People can learn about our organization by visiting our website, which is www.fcfaglobal.org. We are social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and the handle is at FCFA Global. We're open um, on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're open from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And on Saturdays, we're open from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. People can also follow our newsletter, which is www.fcfaglobal.org slash subscribe. They can also send us an email on contact us at fcfaglobal.org. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that important information about the work being performed by FCFA. This is just one example of the many community organizations working to address food insecurity in Howard County. There are many terrific groups in our county performing this work to ensure that families have the resources they need to live healthy, fulfilling lives. Anyone who is interested in finding more information about this work can certainly explore all the options that Dr. Olatezu just described, or they can visit our LHIC website at hclhic.org. Now we are going to take another short break. When we come back, we are going to speak with Ms. Miriam Anderson, a community health worker with the health department and someone who has experience living with food insecurity. On the latest episode of Bookish, you know, how important is truth in nonfiction and how do we define that? And I use James Fry's that controversy and also I think Angel of the Fence is another one about Holocaust survivors um, in which it turned out they fabricated a, a good portion of it. And there's a writer named John Degada who wrote a book about this very issue. And in his book, well, you can, you can catch his talk on NPR in which he's reading an essay, a memoir essay, styled essay, and at the same time he's reading it, the NPR, they have a fact checker and they're fact checking the lines of the essay as John DeGaulle is reading it. And he can't get through the essay be essentially because the facts are off, sometimes by a little bit, sometimes by a lot, but like general sense mm -hmm. of truth is there. And the whole idea is that everybody's memory is pretty much infallible. And even in a memoir, you're the difference between a memoir and autobiography is the sense that autobiography has to be more stringently fact-checked, I guess, you know, versus a memoir, which is expected to have a level of that subjectivity. Listen to Bookish on Bookish, a casual book club that podbean.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. We are Dragon Digital Media Podcast. Welcome back. Thank you for listening to the Hoko Health Podcast today. We are now going to speak with Ms. Miriam Anderson about her experiences with food insecurity and her work with the health department as a community health worker. Thank you for joining us today, Miriam. 
Thank you for inviting me over, Dr. Rosman. Miriam, can you tell us about your experience accessing food resources in Howard County? My story begins back in 2016 when we had our life already planned out in March 23rd of 2016. My husband suffered a severe stroke. Then I became his caregiver and we had a 10-month-old baby at the time. A little bit after that, my husband was in a coma and I had to quit my job in my classes and everything to take care of him. So since you know, if you don't work, well, you don't have any money. We got some help, like I had some savings, but then it's 2016. Now we are in 2023 and all these years I've been dedicating my life to take care of him. When COVID hit, I found a job. We didn't have a house to live. We were like kind of homeless. My husband is from here. My baby was three years old. I wanted to go back to my country, but because of my husband's situation, if he goes to my country, the health service over there is very complicated. He doesn't speak Spanish. And I knew, I knew that he would die. So I decided to stay here. I remember that I went to the social services looking for some support to find out a place to live. But when I went over there, the person that uh, called our name, he told me that, that I can put my husband in long term and I can rent a room for me and my child and then continue living my life. That make my husband sad. And I got upset and I got sad, frustrated. And I just left that place. I thought that I was going to get help because I needed. My husband was 35 when he had the stroke and I was 36. Maybe because they were, they thought that we were too young. They thought that we were making it up. And I brought my husband so they can see his situation. He was in a wheelchair. He is a guy like, he is six two, but he was like a baby. Then uh, on 2019, when I found a job and COVID hit, I had to quit my job to take care of him because of his immune system. I didn't want him to die. I wanted to take care of him and but my baby was four at the time, so I didn't know who else was going to help. At the beginning, it was very difficult for us because we couldn't pay rent and everything. We do have like some money, that, but our rent is expensive, and, and then we have to pay our bills. We were paying our car. We had to pay insurance, and we had the money, and everything goes over there. It's like, from time to time, I, I applied to, to the food bank. And this year, when I went over there, I just wanted veggies and fruits. Because I knew that they had a garden. And when I got to the door, they said that I couldn't qualify for it because of the income that we have. 
that destroyed me really bad. And I say, I don't want to come here anymore. Uh, I left. And I, I mentioned to the, to the person in the door, I said, like, my family needs it. I'm a caregiver. You don't know how difficult it is. People might think because I'm a former police officer that I'm a superwoman, but I'm a human, first of all. I used to say, like, there's people out there that they have, like, Mercedes, Volvo, and they they are getting the food because I see them carrying to their cars. And I see that they are capable of doing things, but in my place, I couldn't do anything. And I just don't go, because it's very tiring, like, mentally, when those things happen. I just don't go anymore to them. But... That's why I became like a, a community health worker, because I know that some people that doesn't speak English, they have problems and, and I want to help them. So I'm here. It's my story. <laughs> I'm sorry for crying. No, Miriam, thank you for sharing your personal story. You are helping many who are listening right now. You're not alone as what, when we introed the podcast, I mentioned that one in four or 25% of Howard County residents make too much money to qualify certain programs, but not enough money to pay their mortgage, their bills. The Alice Group, Asset Limited Income Constrained Employee, just as you're describing. So again, we appreciate you sharing this story and applaud you for taking care of your husband and now for working for the health department to help others. Thank you so much, Dr. Ross. So you have this unfortunate experience. What have you learned from this experience and what do you tell the residents and community members you're now working with about removing the barriers to increase access to food and increase the awareness about the different programs that are out there that can help families like your own? Now that I'm there, I try to be involved in the community and with the program with LHIC. Because like, as you say, there is a lot of people that they don't have the information because it's mentally tiring or the, the, they don't speak English. So it's very difficult for them to get those services. What I do now is even though like, not many people think that I'm there to help them, right? They say, why are you doing this? Because they might think that I'm a scammer or something. But I say, like, I've been there. I know how it is. I know it's very difficult. So let me help you because I've done those services. I cry already. And I can help you to shorten the process. They don't have to be on the phone waiting for the call because I can do the follow-up for them. So now that there is services from the place in Ellicott City so I can tell them it is there so you can go there. Something that everything helps, like even something little, it helps to people. Yes, as Dr. Olatezu mentioned, she mentioned trust, right? And you can bring trust to the people that you're working with because you've been there, right? And they can relate to you and you're very much a real person. So again, we are so appreciative of you working with the health department because your lived experience 
can only be brought by you. So in the last question I'll ask you, in your role as a community health worker, you have become familiar with a tool we call CARE Act. And it's a tool for locating community programs and services. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you use CARE Act to assist community members in locating food and other resources? On the app, we have the device in our login. So we refer the people to the services that they need the most. When I go to the food part, so I look for places that people can go. And right now working with the health department, I'm a huge advocate of mental health too. So that's one of the things that I'm doing right now. And I make sure that once like following all the guidance from the health department, opening a case, following with a provider, getting their appointment, and until the person gets the appointment, that's a complete cycle. So we are going like, it's like a, taking a your kid to kindergarten, hold the hands and then leave in the kindergarten and let them go because they are safe in there. So that's what are we doing? And I love it because it's something like, I don't know, my my life is already super busy, like appointments, therapy for my husband, this and that. But I feel like myself again when I do all this your passion and exuberance is coming across right now. And again, we so appreciate you sharing your very personal story. And please know that it's helping others out there because there are others in need like you. And they can listen now and not only learn about resources where they can find food, even though it may be difficult, but how to uplift, which you are very uplifting. So thank you for being here today with us. Thank you so Unf much for inviting me and for letting me share my story. And also, at the beginning, I, I didn't want to tell my story because it feels so embarrassed because I, I was professional already. And then to begin for nothing, it was difficult to, to ask for help. But to those people that they are going through the same situation, you don't be afraid to ask for help because I think there are a lot of services that they can be used to help them to have a better life. Well said. So if you're out there and you're in need, please reach out to the resources that we discussed today. But unfortunately, we are out of time for today. And I want to thank our guests, Rena Rambarat, Dr. Tosin Olegteju, and Ms. Miriam Anderson. You have all been wonderful. And out there, you can find more information about our LHIC, its work to address food insecurity, and how you can get involved in our comprehensive collection of food and nutrition resources by visiting the LHIC website at hclhic.org. You can also stay up to date on what's going on at the health department by following us on social media at HOCO Health. Thank you for listening to the HOCO Health podcast. We hope you'll join us again in January for a new public health topic. Have a great holiday season. Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Media Podcast.